0: Today we have a guest speaker, Jeff Baker, a friend of mine for several years now, and uh, has been in the Omaha area, It was in Alaska, he's got a military background, he's been a pastor, church planter, Uh, just a a good guy, all-around good guy. I love him because he loves to hunt, and he loves to work on motorcycles, and so right away, those two things make him very valuable. Oh, right there, okay, you know, and, and then also he has this incredible passion to just see people mature and grow and find their place in relationship with God. And so I love that about him. I mean, you'll, you'll sense it right away. And so can you just welcome Jeff Baker today? All right. Man, it is great to be here. This is a journey that I've been on for a long time to make my way to this point. I really only hoped to be sitting where you're at. When, my, when I first visited this church, but I get a chance to be in front of you. So that's a great joy. Uh, like Troy said, <clears throat> we have been friends for a number of years. Uh, and uh, as pastors, you know, we get together periodically, and we talk about things just like you would in any kind of occupation. I've had great opportunities to be uh, with, uh, with Troy and Jennifer, uh, and he's told me a lot about you. There is a great passion inside of your pastor's for you and for what God wants to do in you and so it's been one of those moments where I've just gone when do I get to come and see this amazing place called Southridge and these amazing people that attend Southridge and I'm telling you right now I have not been let down you have an amazing couple as your lead pastors and amazing staff right and you've got some amazing people Come on. Remember, remember that one thing I told you to say, too. Right, got it. He needs a lot of other people to help him. That's what he was like. He was like, listen, my ideas are creative, but they're not always the best. So he needs your ideas. That's what he wanted me to tell you. Um, he just wanted to let you know that he needs you. All right. So that's that, that was what I was really... I forgot it. I'm bad. My bad, man. My bad. Um, so anyways... Uh, Listen, you're right. I have been in Omaha for the last six years and just been up north just a little ways just helping to plant churches. I I love God and I love people. Those are the two basic things we're supposed to exist for. Loving God and loving people. And when we try to make it more complicated than that, that's what we do. We just make it complicated. God's just like, would you just love me and would you love people? And so, uh, listen, uh, my wife is right down here. Her name is Kim. If you've been to some of your, uh, I guess, some of the women's events that have happened over the last maybe two years, I know that she, she had come and uh, led worship. So, um, yeah, not bad. Not bad. Yeah. That really, honestly, I know, I know down in the depths of my heart is really the only reason why I'm standing in front of you. So, it's because, it's because you love my wife. And so that's the reason why I got to come. So Kim and I have been married for 26 years. Come on, someone give it up for 26. That is a medical miracle because I'm only 25. So I don't quite know how that happens. But uh, we've been married for 26 years. We've got four great kids. Uh, my youngest daughter, Christian, is with us right now. She lives here in Omaha. My three daughters live here in Omaha. My son is uh, in a medical school in the Army uh, right now, and he's traveled all over the world, you know, healing soldiers and uh, being a part of that whole process of being the medical hands and feet to them. Uh, So it's a blast. But uh, in, in Omaha, there is another person, though, that really captures my attention, all right? And his name is Aiden, and Aiden is my grandson. Take a look at Aiden, for real. I mean, come on. How can you not awe over that, Right? I've learned what it really means, because before this moment, it was kind of weird to me, but I've learned what it means when people say, oh, isn't he so cute? I could just eat him up. And I'm like, that's sick. That's cannibalism. Don't do that. He's my grandchild. I mean, don't eat my grandchild, you know? But I've learned what that means now, and I feel that way, and I've never used the word cute in all of my life. There's something about grandchildren that, bring, that brings the manly man to be a real manly man, if you know what I mean, where you can use words like cute and still feel masculine. It's awesome. It's awesome. But this kid has got mad skills. I mean, check out these mad skills he's got. Look at the mad, look at these mad skills. You know, he's got it going on. I don't know where he's going to end up. He'll probably end up right over here someplace on a worship team, just rocking out for Jesus. So I love my family. I love the mad skills that God's put inside of my grandchildren. And uh, I'm just excited to be alive and to be moving with God today. So I'm glad that you guys came here today. We are, we are going to kick this thing off. I want to talk to you today a little bit about Jesus. Um, I want to talk to you about how Jesus is healer today. Back when I was 21 years old, anybody 21? Come on, 21 year olds. Come on, let me hear a couple of you. Okay, good. Thank you, ma'am. Yes, you may want to ask the person next to you. Just want to thank you. 21 years old, and it's on a, uh, it's late, right, on a Saturday night, and uh, it's getting about 10, 30, 11 o'clock, and I have got extreme chest pains, all right, 21 years old, I'm thinking to myself, this is it, this is the day I die, I've got that kind of chest pain going on, you know, and when you are young like that, and all you've heard about is heart attacks, and you know people in your family have had heart attacks, at 21 years old, your chest starts hurting, with that type of intense pressure, you think to yourself, you're dying, And instantaneously, something else begins to happen. Your left arm begins to ache. That's what begins to happen. It may not even be part of the problem. You may have developed it in your own mind, but it hurts. Now you're verified. Shortness of breath, chest pain, left arm. I'm having a heart attack, and I'm 21 years old. And so I tell my wife I'm in great pain. She's like, well, let's get in the car. Let's go to the emergency room. So we race to the emergency room, and we get there, and I, I'm walking in, and I'm like, oh, man, you know, I'm in great pain. And I have never, I don't even know what a heart attack is, but I walk in, I go, I think I'm having a heart attack. And so they, they rush me, and they rip my clothes off, and they put all the EKG stuff on, and they start running all the tests, and then things get really quiet. kind of drifts away, and the tests are gone, and I'm just laying there, and everything, I start feeling better even. The doctor comes in with my tests, you know, He's got him in his hand, and he looks at me, and he goes, I don't know what's up with you. You're 21 years old. These tests come back, and they're perfect. Everything's cool with you. He goes, let me ask you one question. He goes, what did you eat last night? I'm like, what did I eat? Well, I, I know what I ate. Uh, I was in St. Louis leaving my parents' house, and I grabbed just like a bag full of those little mini cheeseburgers called White Castle's. And I ate just a bagload of them. He goes, he looked at me, no joke, this is exactly what he says to me, while I'm there in the gown, right, holding the back together. He says to me, he goes, "Many cheeseburgers from White Castle, are you crazy? That's what your problem is, get dressed and get out of here. I'm like, what? You're the, what? Get dressed and get out of here. I was on the Air Force Base, they can talk to you that way, by the way, all right, so way different. So be thankful for this government medical care. It's coming your way. You get a you to experience that same kind of, <laughs> same kind of compassion's coming your way, my friend. All right, get dressed and get out of here. What in the world? What kind of? Who says that? Nobody likes to go to the doctor when they've perceived to have a medical emergency just to find out it's nothing. Aren't aren't, aren't you that way? Don't you just hate that when you walk in the door and you're like, I'm dying, man, I'm dying. He's like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. You got a cold. Oh, man, I thought I had the flu and I was, I was going to die. All right. You know, I thought this cough was going to turn into whatever. And he just goes, hey, you got nothing. Nobody likes to do that. Culture that we live in, we turn to a lot of different things to find our healing. We turn to the doctor. We turn to natural remedies. We even turn to physical fitness. And we just say, well, man, maybe if I just keep working out every day. It's, it's not the apple a day keeps the doctor away anymore. It's the workout a day. Keeps the doctor away. We try to do everything that we can to try to stay away from the doctor. Many times, we even do things that are harmful uh, to try to bring healing to ourselves. We'll turn to drunkenness to heal our pain. We'll turn to, we'll turn to things like long work hours to heal our, our, our sense of significance. You know, we'll turn to pornography to try to heal our lack of intimacy. We'll turn to food to try to heal our loneliness. We'll turn to shallow relationships to try to, you know, heal our lack of trust in people. And the whole time, Jesus is there. What I want to help you understand today is that you and me, we are all in need of a doctor. Every single one of us. You're in need of a doctor. It's not, I think I need one, I go there, oh, I don't need one. No, it's not that. Today, every single one of you are in need of a doctor. And his name is Jesus. And Jesus is healer today that's what I want to talk to you about Jesus is healer and for him to be the healer we have to get our eyes off of all the other things that we think are going to heal us and we have to fix our eyes on him that's what Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 says Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 is the key passage for our series that we're in here at Southridge so if this is your first Sunday with us Then you can go back and you can go online. You can listen to some of the other podcasts and you can get yourself caught up on the teaching series that's happening here. Um, If you've been tracking with us and you know Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 is the key text. So why don't you read it with me or quote it with me if you've taken time to memorize it. Which I know Troy would encourage you to do that and so would I. Hebrews chapter two, or 12 verse 2 says this. It says, let us fix our eyes. Right? The author... And the finisher of our, come on, just one more time. Can we read that together? All right. Just, let's just, just open your mouth and just use it. It will work. Trust me. It will be like a miracle, but it will work. All right. So Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says this, right? Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. That's who Jesus is. And if we want Jesus to be healer, then we've got to fix our eyes on him. Now, when I looked at this passage, it was very very interesting to me. When I looked at, you know, the words of author, um, I also discovered that the word of author could also be described as he's the designer of your life. So he designed it. He designed faith. He designed relationship with you. At the beginning of time, when all of this that you and me experienced was created, God was there, Jesus was there, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus isn't just a creation of God because of planet Earth. Jesus is God, and he was there at the beginning, and he designed you, and he designed relationship with you. He is your designer, but Jesus is also the finisher of your faith. Or another word that could be used for that, he's the completer of your faith. He completes you. He makes you whole. He makes you healthy in terms of a healer. Jesus completes your faith. And today, one of the things that you and me need to know if we're gonna fix our eyes on Jesus, instead of fixing our eyes other places to try to heal you know, the pain that's inside of us, is we have to realize that Jesus designed you to need him as healer. And there's three critical areas that Jesus designed you to need him as healer. All right, three things. And the very first one, all of us fall into. Jesus, he designed you to need him as the healer of our sin. That all of us have sin, and the sin separates us from God. Jesus knew that from the beginning of time. So Jesus said, I will be their healer. I will be the one to heal the pain and the suffering of their sin because I want relationship with man. So I will be their healer. Romans chapter 3 verse 23 says this about each of you and me. It says, for everyone, say everyone, for everyone has sinned and all fallen short of God's glorious standard. That really just means this. Every single one of you, Jeff Baker included, has sinned. And by the way, probably continues to sin. I have sin issues in my life. I stand before you and I tell you, I hate them. They disgust me, but there's sin issues that keep trying to grab a hold of Jeff Baker and pull him down. There's no difference between you and me. Why? Because we're all created by God. I'm not special because I stand in front of you. We are one in God's eyes. God looks at me like he looks at you, all right? I have no special red phone I pick up and talk to God. Um, you know, there is no special red phone. I, we stand before God you know, equally on level playing fields. Humanity, man, woman, child, grandfather. We stand before God and God looks at us and he goes, all of you have sinned. And all of you, you have sin issues. That's why I'm your healer. That's why I've come. So that I might restore relationship with you. That's why Jesus, that's why Jesus went on in In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, it says this about him that Christ carried the burden of our sins. He was nailed to the cross so that we would stop sinning and start living right. By his cuts and his bruises, you are healed. Jesus knew that you and me were going to have a sin issue that needed to be healed. So he goes, Okay, here's what I'll do: I'll go to the cross and I'll give my life willfully on the cross. I'll give it up, I'll die on the cross. And by the bruises and the cuts and, you know, the crown of thorns that's put on me and by the whipping and the lashings, you know, and by the spear that pierced through his ribs into his lung, you know, that caused him to stop breathing and sucking in air so he could no longer pull himself up and he literally suffocates on the cross. He goes, I did that so that I could be the remedy or the healer for your sin. And every single one of us in this room and every single person that's driving on the street in front of this cinema today is in need of Jesus to be the healer of their sins. So if you're here today and you've yet to allow Jesus to become that healer, I want to encourage you at some point today, I want you just to go, Jesus, I surrender to you and I want you to heal my sin. I want you to take my sin and wrap your hands around it. And I want you to massage out of it all of the scar tissue and all the filth and all the stuff that keeps me locked in this bondage in my mind. That keeps me trapped in this behavior of my life. And I want to invite you to come and be the healer. I want to encourage you to do that today. It's a powerful, powerful experience. And if you are here today and you have given your life or surrendered yourself to the healer, Jesus, and made him Lord and leader of your life, I want to encourage you today to bring the guilt of your sin back to him again, to bring that sin that keeps trying to dominate you, that wraps around your your ankle and tries to trip you up. Bring it to him today. He already knows about it, by the way. That's why he went to the cross so that his act of healing could be continuous. It's called grace. Now he loves you so much, though, that the healer doesn't want to leave you there. He doesn't want you just to keep. Falling prey to that behavior. That's why that last verse is so powerful when it says He did that so He could help you to stop sinning and to start living right. That's the desire that God has. He God's not one that has this office someplace as a doctor that makes his living off of you know just sick people continuing to return time after time after time after time after time over over the same thing over the same thing over the same thing over the same thing. God if you will, makes his living as healer by making people whole and then going out onto the streets and to helping to make others whole because the healer touched them and they go and they talk about the one who set them free from their sin. See, that's our job. He's healer. Our job is to proclaim him as healer. And everywhere we go, we proclaim it as we tell our story, our testimony to family members and the co-workers. You're in charge. You're in charge by the healer Christ to go and tell people about the one who's made you whole. I guarantee you right now, if you came into this building and you deal with some kind of a major, major illness, let's just say, let's say something like an accident happened and, man, your leg had been chopped off. And you've got you know, a prosthetic leg and you go, wow, I would love to have a, a, another leg. And, so, and God worked in such a powerful, miraculous way that, boom, a new leg grew? Are you just going to go walk the rest of your life and not tell anybody about that miraculous moment that happened? Of course not. You're going to end up on TV shows. Books are going to be written about you, all kinds of stuff. Let me tell you something God's done something powerful, powerful, powerful in your life, and He's called the healer who healed your sin. Who have you told? Who have you proclaimed that kind of goodness to? But that's not where Jesus ends as being your healer. Jesus also, secondly, Jesus is the healer of your emotions. He's he's your emotional healer. Luke chapter 4, verses 18 tells us this. Jesus proclaims it about himself. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And He's sent me to heal the who? The brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the who? The blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed. That word brokenhearted literally refers to someone who's had their dreams or their desires crushed. Some of you in this room today have had your dreams and your desires crushed. They've been crushed by an earthly father who didn't act godly to you. You're bearing the weight of those dreams of life crushed. Some of you have had your dreams of life crushed, you know, as you watch a spouse cheat on you and walk out on you, and life got crushed. Some of you have been crushed and devastated by things that have happened that are horrific to our lives when it comes to violent acts or, you know, just verbal abuse that's happened. Some of us have been crushed by employers who we put our hope and our trust in, and it seems like it all went away. Some of you even feel crushed as if God gave up on you. And you need to know something today. Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. Jesus came to restore hope and passion and joy again. Jesus came to be your dream maker. Jesus came to be the one who stirs intense desires inside of you again. Jesus came to be your healer, to give you a purpose and a destiny again, one of hope and a future something that's better than what you can see right now jesus wants to be the healer of the brokenhearted today if you're brokenhearted in today and you're here today take great hope in the fact that jesus wants to be your healer he's not ashamed of your brokenness he's not confused by your brokenness today your brokenness has not gone overlooked by the healer jesus His heart literally beats with compassion for the brokenhearted. Some of you have been broken because of relationships that have happened. And some of you have a lack of trust for others because of horrific things that have happened to you. And that lack of trust for others is keeping you from loving people the way God wants you to love them. Love God, love people. And when you don't trust people because of bad scenarios that have happened to you, wow, Jesus has come to heal the brokenhearted. That's good. Let's turn to somebody really quick and just tell them, that's good news. All right, just come on, just tell them that. Right, that's good news. That's good news. Because there's people in here right now that that just hit you like a brick wall. And you're going, whoa, that's who Jesus is? Yes, that's still who the God-man Jesus is. When he says, I came to bring recovery of sight to the blind, here's a whole nother group of people. <laughs> to bring recovery of sight to the blind is not physical. It means to literally... Deal with and to heal people who are walking through life as if they look at life through a haze. They look at life through a cloud. Another word that we use today with that is maybe look at life through like a lens of depression. You look at life and you see the downer of life. You look at life and you don't see it crisp and clear any longer. Things have happened to you. You once used to see it crisp, but now it's like hazy and it's hazy. And you don't really know like where to go and what to do. And you kind of look like you're just walking around in the dark, feeling your way through life. And you feel like you don't even have a clue of which direction to go. Jesus says, I've come to bring recovery of sight to those who are walking in a phase of haziness and smoke and of depression. I've come to do that. If you're here today, and that's where you find yourself, Jesus says, I'm healer, and I can bring recovery of sight to you. That's good news. That's not where it ends. This trail gets deeper and broader. Jesus also, thirdly, said that, listen, Jesus is the healer of our physical needs as well. He designed you that way. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, it was written about Jesus, and it said this, Jesus traveled through... All the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. Know this today about your physical needs that Jesus has compassion for the physical needs of humanity. Your, your needs have not gone out of sight and out of mind. Jesus has the power to physically bring healing. Now, just like I told you when I was 21 years old, I ran to the emergency room with this sense of a heart attack that ended up being little cheeseburgers. I, I look at our medical world through a lens that is one that brings me great joy. I look at it and I go, God, thank you that you've given humanity the ability to hunger and to thirst after knowledge and to gain wisdom about this creation called the human body. It very much in many different ways baffles science and it baffles medical uh, experts even to this day. But I thank God whenever I have to go to the doctor, which I do whenever I need to, I go, right? I mean, I call on the healer first. And then I use what the healers provided. And I use the medical environment because I believe God's the one that put that dream and desire inside of those individuals and he's given them the hunger to pursue that. That's their gift and their calling. And somehow, some way, in a powerful, miraculous manner, God uses them to bring healing to our bodies at times. And I'll tell you, if you go to the doctor with the attitude of God, you're the one that gave them the destiny and desire and the hunger and the search for knowledge in that area. And you're the one that works through their hands. Who cares what they believe? It's about what you believe. It's about the faith that God's put in your hearts. It's not about them and their lifestyle. It's about you running to God. And if I have to use them, I say, God, thank you for using those people to bring healing to this physical body. That's that's a healthy approach. But let me tell you something. Let's run to him first. Like I talked about at the beginning of the message. Let's not let our knee-jerk reaction be, I'm sick, i got to go to the doctor. Let's let our knee-jerk reaction be, I'm sick. Hey, can a few people gather around me and pray? Even if it's your wife, even if it's just your kids, even if it's you, moms and dads, just praying for your kids. And then let's go and use what we've got around us. You know, let's go to the pharmacy. Let's go use the doctor. But let's do it as going, God, you're, you're my healer, and this is what you provided for me that's awesome guys I know some of you are out there going okay Jeff Jesus is healer I got that and Jesus is physical healer but if he is then why didn't he heal grandma so-and-so why is it that he allows me to deal with suffering and pain in my physical body why is that I don't have all the answers for you one day you'll be able to stand before God and get the direct answer but I do know this Jesus one day in John chapter 5 showed up at this place called the pool Bethesda where all these sick people gathered and they believed at that time that when the waters were stirred that the first person into the water, when the water bubbled, the first person in would find healing. Jesus showed up and there was a crowd of sick people gathered around the pool waiting. How many? I don't know. Let's just put the number at a low number, 30. 30 people are there waiting for the water to be stirred and when it does, the first person in they believe was healed. And Jesus goes to one man on the outskirts of the crowd and he says, sir, what are you doing? Oh, man, I'm waiting to be healed. I've been here for years, and I, don't ha- I can't get there. I'm lame, and I try to crawl myself there. Every time the waters, you know, his, his elbows are all raw and nasty, and his arms, skins, skins just turn into, you know, a constant scar as he's tried to crawl his way, you know, to the pool day after day, just never able to get there in time. Someone else always gets there. I've slept there, sir, as he tells Jesus, night after night, trying to be the first one, but someone else gets there before me. And Jesus goes, do you want to be healed? Absolutely. Then pick up your mat and walk. And the man rose to legs that have never bore his own weight. And he began to take his very first step as he picked up his mat. And with a huge smile on his face and tears that burst from his eyes. I can only imagine him giving Jesus a big hug. And Jesus grabbing the man by the shoulders and looking him in the eye and going, you are healed. And he runs to his mom and dad and he begins to tell them about the great one, the God man, Jesus, who healed him. That's a great story, isn't it? Unless you're one of the other 29. Great day for the one. What what about the other 29? See, I don't have the answers for that. I just know this: Jesus has a purpose for our sin. I, I have no idea why my why my wife's mother had to die in her 50s. I don't know why she went to the doctor for one thing, ends up dying for something else. I don't know why. I just know this: God will take our pain. And he'll use it for his glory if we'll allow the God-man Jesus to be our healer. Regardless of whether the pain of the healing is fully taken care of or not. That's something you and me can trust in. Jesus holistically cares about us. Sin, emotional, and physical. He holistically wants to be our healer. Jesus is the only one. He's the only one that can make you complete. He's the only one that can do that. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. He's the author and the finisher. He is the one that makes you complete. And whatever Jesus starts, he finishes. That's why Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 says that Jesus, the work that he starts, he completes. And I know that personally because Jesus didn't give up on this man, Jeff Baker. Back when I lived here in the Air Force, I just went ballistic. I went crazy. One day, I don't even know what all happened. I just know this. I literally turned to God and said, you must not exist anymore. A couple of weeks later, I turned to my wife and said, I don't want to have anything to do with you. And her and our kids at that time, I sent them away from me. And they moved back to St. Louis. And for the next 13 months, in this city, in this community of Bellevue, I lived like a hellion. I mean, in drugs and alcohol and sexual relationships. I ended up with not even my own place to live in the Air Force, I'm sleeping on the couch of some friend's house because I gave them the couch. It was our couch. I gave it to them and I said, if I give you the couch, I'm going to sleep on it. And they're like, okay, all right. So I don't know. That was the dumbest thing on their part. Great on mine, I guess. I don't know. Because I was wasting all my money on drugs and alcohol. I was throwing it all away. Every paycheck, not a dime went to her and our kids. It was all about me. I got super self-centered. It was all about me. And then 13 months later, I ended up with nothing. In an apartment on the other side of Highway 75, I knelt down at 3 o'clock in the morning next to my bed. And every time I drive from Omaha down to Bellevue, I can see that sign that says, Now Leasing, just next to the new Nissan dealer. And I can look there and I see... Now leasing, and I go over one building, and I go two apartments in, and I go up onto the upper floor window, and I see it when I drive by. It like glares, and it jumps out at me, because in that apartment that day, the God-man Jesus began to become my healer. He began to transform me, and change me, and he's been healing me ever since then, and he's been doing his work in me ever since that day, back in 1991. You know what else he healed? He healed my wife and, and our relationship. That's why I had you celebrate 26 years earlier. 26 years just a year. It passes, it goes, it comes. But 26 years is significant. Just like 25 and 23 and 17 was and 13 was. And hopefully one day 40 and 50 will also be. Why? Because Jesus, the God-man, healed my marriage. That's why it's significant. When the healer gets a hold of your life, there's these mile markers that get put in stone. And you look back at them and you go, you are God! There's just something inside of you that has to proclaim it. That has to celebrate it. Because the healer reached out and he touched you. And you'll never be the same. Since that day, I've seen all kinds of crazy stuff happen. I've been in Romania, and I pray, prayed for a man who just came off the job site, and he had a piece of steel that had, sh- that had come off of a machine, and it went into his eye, and he had a patch over his eye, and he walks into the service, and I, I see him, and I go up to him, and I say, sir, what's the problem? And, and with an interpreter, he begins to tell me about his ailment, he opens, he lifts up, you know, his patch, and there are his eyes all red and bloody and pussy, and it just looks nasty, and I go, sir... You're obviously here. Do you believe in the power of Jesus to heal? And he goes, yes. I go, can I pray for you? And so I reached out and I touched his shoulders and I prayed a simple Jeff Baker prayer. And so it was, God, I don't even know this man's name. But you know, and God, you know what happened. I wasn't even there. Would you heal him? And the man, I just, I open up my eyes and he lifts up his head and the good eye is just like blinking, like quickly. And you can see, he's like, whoa, whoa, what in the world? And he lifts up the patch. And when he lifts up the patch, I look and I go, holy cow not not really like that but I mean inside of me and he says something that sounds like Romanian but who knows what he says and he takes off beelines it for the bathroom to look into his eye that had been completely healed it was white crisp clean pussiness is gone inflammation gone amazing a few years later, I stand in Mexico on a soccer field, and we're, we're praying for some people. And this little boy comes up to me about 10 years old, and I don't even know his name. So through an interpreter, I ask his name, and I just go, how old are you? He goes, 10. I go, cool, man, I'm going to pray for you. And I don't even know what he's up there for. And I just put my hands on his little shoulders, and I begin to pray for him in Jesus' name. I don't even know what he needs. I have no idea. I, wasn't, I didn't have any clue what the guy was up there for. I get done praying. The little boy goes like this, ah! Which you don't need an interpreter for that, by the way. That just means holy cow, right? In Spanish. Ah! Like that. And he just takes off at like a 45 degree angle from me and just beelines it down the street and I look at him and I go, okay, and I go on to pray for other people. That night's done and we're packing everything up and then this group of people come around the corner and they come walking down the street and you know, I mean it's it's dirt streets, you're in Mexico, and I'm thinking to myself, this is it, this is like the noon hour. People are coming, they're gonna kill us. Like all I hear is like doot doo, 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 doo. you know? ching, ching, ching. I'm like, oh man, we're going down, this is it. What should we do? Pile in the vans. But you hear this weeping of this mother, and all of a sudden I look and I go, that's the little boy. And they come up, and through an interpreter, the weeping mom says these words. My son, who was born to me, who's never heard a word, heard for the very first time. Why did the boy go, ah? The boy went like that because his ears popped open, and all he heard was me going, amen. And he just took off. He was totally freaked out. I've seen God do that. I've seen God pull like a stake out of my heart of fear and of intimidation. I've seen God pull a stake emotionally out of my heart of moments when I didn't trust people. I've seen God do crazy stuff. But I'm telling you today, and I stand before you today and proclaim to you today that the greatest healing you and me are ever going to experience and we're ever going to see is when the God-man Jesus comes and he heals my sin. And when he makes us whole. And when he takes someone from an outsider and he makes them an insider. And when he starts cleaning our lives up, when the God-man Jesus heals sin, that's the greatest miracle you and me are ever going to see in all of our lives. We could have a stack of wheelchairs over there. And that's one thing. But there's only one healing that the Bible talks about that says heaven erupts with a celebration. And that's when one person allows Jesus to become the healer of their sin. And all heaven erupts with a celebration. There's nothing else that brings great joy to the king or to the healer Jesus than when one allows him to heal their sin. So if you and me want Jesus to heal our sins, let's respond to him like the woman did in Mark chapter 5. This woman who had this blood issue, and she was bleeding from her uterus. And, that, and the blood, because it would come out of her body, made her unclean that literally meant she couldn't come close to people, she couldn't touch them because at that time they were afraid that if you bled like that, there was some kind of ailment or sickness to you that would be you know, contagious and passed on to others so therefore you got a problem, this woman searched the entire community and the entire region going from doctor to doctor spending all the money that she could to try to find health and wholeness not to find it, then she hears about this guy named Jesus come walking through her town so she decides I'm going to break all protocol and I'm going to go find this guy so she gets out you can almost see her kind of cover herself up with some kind of a cloak and she walks through the streets listening and looking for where Jesus is and then she hears this commotion so she comes around a corner and she fixes her eyes Hebrews chapter 12 fixes her eyes on Jesus sees him but sees this massive crowd and goes Well, I can't let the fear of what other people are going to say get in my way. So she presses through the crowd. And for the first time in years, she begins to touch people as shoulders rub against shoulders. She hasn't felt the touch of a human being in a long time. And she rubs through people. And people don't have any clue who she is. And she gets up to where Jesus is. And Jesus is walking. And as his arm goes back, she reaches out and she grabs the edge of his garment just to touch him. Because she thought, if maybe I just touched this man, I would become healed. And then I'll just drift back into the crowd. And as she begins to drift back into the crowd, Jesus stops. And he says this profound statement to his disciples that are around him. Who just touched me? And three of his disciples said, I did. By the way, another one goes, Jesus, a lot of people have touched you. He goes, no, you don't get it. As the woman backs her way up against, out of the crowd and against the wall, Jesus goes, somebody touched me. Power came from me. The healing power of the character and the nature of who I am, Jesus, healer, came out of me. I felt it. Who is it? He begins to ask. Who was it? Who was it? Not mad, but just curious because he had something powerful to say. And the woman raises her hand and she goes, it was me. And all of a sudden, across the crowd, another person recognizes her. And he goes, she's unclean. And Jesus walks up to her and says these words. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Jesus, the healer, is here to take your suffering and to take your pain and to call it finished. And for that to happen today, you're going to have to break the protocol of running to all your other all your other remedies for pain, and you have to run to Jesus. And you're going to have to break past the crowd and push past the distractions of other people that are telling you don't put your trust in him don't run to him you're going to have to break past the crowd of the lies in your mind right now that says Jesus is done with you you have sinned too many times he's given up on you your sin's too great for him your ailment's too too big your emotional issue is beyond his healing your physical thing is beyond his healing you're going to, have to push past the crowd and get into Jesus and then you're going to have to do what the woman did and finally by faith reach out and grab a hold of him Notice who found who. Did Jesus find the woman or did the woman find Jesus? Jesus made himself available, but the woman reached out and touched him. That's what we have today because Jesus went to the cross to become our healer. He's here and he's waiting for you and me to reach out and to give it all and to touch him. Why don't you stand with me today? A year ago, a year ago with a person that goes to your church here, his name's Kevin. Him and I played on the same hockey team in, the, in a hockey league here in Omaha. And a year ago in January, I broke my leg in a hockey game. It's the first bone I've ever broken in all my life. But there's something about breaking that bone that allows you to understand pain at a brand new level. That you just tap the skate and boom, pain shot through my body. If you've ever broken anything, you know what I'm talking about. Today, Jesus has come to heal what's broken in us. What is, what's causing your greatest pain today? Because whatever's causing your greatest pain today is what Jesus is trying to heal. What is your greatest pain that you're trying to bring in a, a remedy to? You're trying to cover up, you know, with all of your masking. You're trying to cover it up with, you know, substances. You're trying to cover it up with people. You're trying to cover it up with one thing or another. Whatever you're trying to cover it up with isn't taking care of all the pain, is it? Because that pain can't be taken care of unless Jesus, the healer, touches it. You can try to push it away all you want, but Jesus, the healer, is still there and he's going, here I am. Who wants to reach out and touch me? Because you reach out and you touch me and you're going to find healing today. You're going to find healing today like I did at 3 in the morning. You're going to find healing today at 11, 11. You're going to go, I finally finally let Jesus be the healer of my sin. You're going to find healing today from your past emotions that are bringing you pain because you're going to reach out and touch Jesus in this response time and you're going to watch him grab a hold of you and pull you close to him and hold you and go, I got this. Some of you are radically going to find healing today as you begin to pursue him as the healer for your physical ailments. It's going to blow your mind away. Jesus will be found, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, when you fix your eyes on him, when you stare deeply into him as your only remedy, and you call out to him as, Jesus, you're my designer, and would you also be the completer of my healing? Let's go to him with that attitude today. Jesus, my life is in your hands. It belongs to you. Would you come into this room? You're here. Would you minister to the hearts of people? As you walk through the corridors of this room, may you reach out and allow people to touch you so that you would become their healer of their sin, of their emotion, of their physical ailment. As we respond to you, Lord, may you become the God-man Jesus. May you become Jesus, the healer. Let's run to him. Reach out and touch him today.